Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, all you wonderful people loved by the Lord. It is fabulous to come together to worship our God this morning. I'm just going to start by praying. Heavenly Father, as we look at and we hear your word to us, please help us by your Holy Spirit just to be still and to know that you are the God who loves us and who transforms our hearts. Amen. I just wonder, are there any fans of Strictly here? A few good, good. Uh, I just thought that um, we, I need some audience participation in this. And I just thought of Len Goodman, really, because he was so fond of the number seven. So, yes, can we just practice that? When I lift up my back, can you please say seven in the style of Len Goodman? Seven. Wonderful. I'm just going to read the passage again, uh, just changing it slightly. And uh, please do um, participate. (laughs) Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So, on day... He rested from all his work. Then God blessed day and made it holy because on day he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I also think you're a very intelligent lot, actually, who probably know quite a bit about ancient Hebrew poetry. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions and see if you know the answer. So I don't know if you remember the Bible, Bible Project video we had right at the very beginning of this, and it just talked about um, verse 1 of Genesis. Do you remember how many words there are in the first verse of Genesis 1? And how about verse 2? There were plus, so that's 14. And then in the passage we have just been looking at, which is in Hebrew poetry. Line one, there are words. Line two, there are And line three, there are See, I knew you were so intelligent. That's brilliant. Give yourselves a clap. So I think you get the point. In the Bible, seven is a really special number because it means completeness, of perfection, of an ideal state of being. So we looked at this, uh, this slide about the six days. In six days, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Although at the time, they probably didn't realize how vast the array was. We know it's just getting vaster and vaster, isn't it? 
And we might think that the most important bit of that story happens on day six, when all the works of creation are established and when we as people are created as the pinnacle to rule and to reign over everything. And I think most of our culture lives like as if this is so. They live like day six. We are the top dogs. We're in control of our own destinies. So I wonder, what is happening on the seventh day? Well, the seventh day, this is the apex of the story. When God finished the work of creation and rested. So the word rested in Hebrew means to cease or to stop. And so that is what God did. On the seventh day, he stopped creating. He stops creating so that he can rest in his creation. But God has made the heavens and the earth for a reason. Creation is his gift to us. And his purpose is for the earth to thrive and to grow and to live under his sovereignty. Well, now friends of ours, oh, Bridget's here. Bridget, I'm talking about you. <laughs> They've built a new house and they planned and they thought about every detail and how it would look and all the rooms they wanted. And when it was built, they finished it and it looked really beautiful and homely. It all looks great and it's fit for purpose. But wouldn't it be so strange, now that the work is all finished, they didn't move in and start living there? The extraordinary truth is that God wants to settle into living in his creation with his creatures. So God is not like those people who buy flats in London as an investment. The flat lies empty and unlived in. There's no lights on at night. That's not the purpose of a flat. It's not that God creates our universe and then disappears and only turns up, only returns when he wants to sell up. No, God moves on from creating to enjoying his creation. And Proverbs 8, verse 30, says this so beautifully. This is Lady Wisdom. She says, she is constantly by God's side as he was creating. She's filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in the human race. We're created for a purpose, the ruling and the reigning, but also the resting so as to rejoice and delight in the one who made us. And you'll notice that there is no evening and morning, as in the previous six days, the seventh day, it never ends. We live in this everlasting seventh day with God, and this is all his gift to us. So in the Garden of Eden before the fall, presumably God was just walking in the garden and talking, and they were just enjoying one another's company. But can man and God rest together? And this is the theme that runs through the whole biblical narrative, because we don't have to wait long before the fall. So this rest was ruined by people's rebellion. And the Bible story is all about how we get back to that rest 
in which we were meant to fellowship with God. Amazingly, God doesn't give up on us. So Exodus is the story of how God saves his people from slavery under the Egyptians so that they can enjoy his rest and their life with him. God dwells with his people in the cloud, in the tabernacle, and later in the temple. But Israel never got to fully rest with God because of their idolatry and because of their distraction with other gods. And then later prophets like Isaiah talked about this perfect future life in which Israel could flourish in its new creation that all humanity could participate in. And then in the New Testament, rest becomes life with Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. If Jesus was in a sports team, maybe the Super Bowl, he would be the one with the number seven on his shirt, because Jesus is the seventh day, remaking and restoring God's image in his people. So just as God finished his work of creation, then Jesus finished the work of salvation. In John's gospel, his seventh sign was his death and resurrection, rising again into a new creation that will have victory over sin and Satan, a king in a new kingdom. And out of this new creation, Jesus' work began as he sent out his disciples and then he sends us out to spread the gospel and live out the kingdom of God. But our ultimate rest is yet to come when Jesus returns to make all things new and perfect, the eternal seventh day. And we live now with the foretaste of that hope. And sometimes that is all that keeps us going when life is really hard and a bit of a struggle. But that is what we have to look forward to. So for God, he never, he never grows weary and needs a rest. He's always at work, caring and sustaining his, for his creation. But rest in that way is the aim of creation for relationship and living. But rest also allows us to see more than just the work in front of us. It is our act of resistance against the other things that would rule over us. So let's have a little think about holiness. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And in, in that sense, the everlasting seventh day rest is blessed and made holy by God's presence in it. A holy God bringing his presence into that rest. But then also in Exodus 20, God commands the Hebrews to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The day of, is the Sabbath of the Lord. It is his day. So in this way, there's a linear element established. Time is being organized into weeks of rest and work in balance together in the fabric of creation. So here, time isn't money, time is holy. Like 
a tithe to the Lord to remember his work of redemption of his people in Egypt, a cathedral in time for a sacred assembly. So we probably know that studies have shown that we can be much more productive if we have a day off a week, or if we have breaks during our working day. Well, it sounds like jumping off and then jumping on a treadmill again, isn't it? We're more than a sort of economic production line. And our culture is also full of advice about well-being, about going for a walk, communing with nature, um, having me time, meeting up with friends. But for Christians, though, there is a deeper level of Sabbath rest with God. So how can we Sabbath? Well, Jesus, you remember, it's very critical about the Pharisees who are so sort of legalistic about, about things. And they, they made it into this religion that sort of shriveled up their hearts rather than a response of faith to God that would make them whole. And I'm sure we know of people who've been quite regimented in their Sabbath observance. There used to be a sort of a list of things you shouldn't do, things, you know, like, like pleasure, or, or something too well, listening to the radio even, that was considered um, not on in the Sabbath. And I have to say, I remember feeling really guilty about shopping on the Sabbath. I mean, I have been known to hide in the aisles, so I didn't get spotted. But Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath and that Sabbath was made for man and not the other way around. So if we think about rest as being part of godly practice and discipleship. We don't need to be legalistic and negative about what we shouldn't do because the truth about living in the eternal seventh day means that we can embrace life and see Sabbath as a positive discipline to our living. As the Westminster Catechism says, the chief aim of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But keeping Sabbath can be, it, it, well, it is a spiritual discipline, and it can be hard, like tithing our money so that doesn't rule over us. God knows we need to tithe our time in a way so that we don't get drawn away from our relationship with him. So some of us lead quite pressurized lives, but then others, we're retired, and, and be, there isn't so much of that pressure, but there's always, because we're human, where there's always issues about giving God the time we need to, give, to allow him to shape us and transform us. So I just wondered if um, we're just going to have a bit of time of quiet just to think about what our Sabbath might look like. So you might just like to look at the slide or close your eyes. I'm just thinking and just to think through some thoughts. How can we embrace our life with God and not let earthly things rule over us? God liberated his people from slavery in Egypt. So what are the things that enslave us and distract our attention.
some people rest from their phones and their, email, their emails on a Sunday. What do you think takes up too much of your time that doesn't honor God? Do we have time to be still and remember all that God has done for us in creation and through his son? That our sins are truly forgiven. That we can be reconciled with God. Sabbath is the inviting of all creation to be still and imagine the coming of God. Worship refreshes and spiritually restores us in our minds, in our hearts and our bodies as we praise the Lord. Do we enter worship? with sincere and prepared hearts. Can we come to Jesus with our burdens and accept his lordship over our anxiety and our weariness? Do we make the most of prayer ministry on Sundays to help us with anything that is troubling us? Do we come to church on Sundays praying about how we can bless those around us through conversation, doing an activity together, or hospitality? Resting can mean feasting too, just as Jesus ate with his friends in Emmaus. And by Monday morning, do we feel refreshed by the Sabbath? Or is it all just too busy? I'll finish with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your creation and your desire to live with us. Help us to live in a way that pleases you to your glory, working and resting, knowing that we've entered into your eternal rest. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.